0: What's going on, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. The very first podcast dedicated to the original idol, Kelly Clarkson. Here are your hosts, Jeremy and Pam.
1: Hello, and welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. I'm Jeremy.
0: And my name is Pam. And today we are doing our mailbag episode number four. Hooray! Hooray! Where we answer... I love mailbags. Me too. We answer some of your questions that you have about random Kelly stuff. It's very broad. Um, We have people submit questions online and we choose about seven or eight of them and we present them to you. So. Now
1: we are by no means experts in any of this stuff. A lot of times we will actually go and research your questions. We're not trying to say that we are the end all be all know all for questions no. uh, about uh, Kelly and her career and the, and the folks around her. But uh, either way, we do have a lot of fun uh, seeing the questions that you guys submit. And also uh, we have fun trying to track down some of the answers. Some of them we just do kind of know off the top of our heads. The others are they require a little bit of research.
0: And a lot of these are questions that people have that we can't necessarily make into to a full episode, hence why yeah. they end up here. So we yeah. will address them, but we can't necessarily talk for an hour about them. We could, but it would be weird.
1: Now, Pam, before we get into our mailbag episode for this week, we have some big news. We do. Some very big news. We do.
0: Really excited about this one.
1: Now, you, if you are a follower of us on social media, you may very well have seen...
0: Specifically Twitter.
1: Yes, You may very well have seen some of these comments and sort of the genesis of this happen, Uh, but for those of you who didn't see it or or didn't notice it happening, uh, we are going to have a very special guest on the podcast in two weeks' time. On August 17th, that episode, we are going to be talking to none other than Kelly's musical director himself, Jason Halbert.
0: I'm so excited. He's someone who I've been been a a fan of pretty much for my entire time of being Kelly's fan because Mm -hmm. they work so side-by-side on all these projects and he's always just really nice. Um, I think I met him once at a show, but I've interacted with him online before. He just always seems like such a genuine guy and he's so talented and so just there for the music and there and really cares about the fans. And I'm really excited to talk to him and what's even cooler is that he brought this up on his own. He said, feel free to get some listener questions, and I will answer some of them on the episode. So that being said, yes. we are looking for questions from you guys. So if you have any yes. questions for Jason, feel free to DM them to us. You can tweet us. You can email them, uh, podcast at gmail.com, and we're going to choose a few of them to ask Jason and he may answer yours on our episode.
1: Yeah. He specifically asked us for some fan rapid fire questions. So, you know, maybe when you're thinking about your question, don't think about it like a long story answer for these kinds of questions. We're going to try to ask as many of those kinds of questions as we can during the episode. But for the questions that are coming from fans, try to keep them to what would be like a rapid fire thing, whether, you know, they be short answers or maybe just confirming things that you've always wanted to know or uh, figuring out questions that you've had for so many years. Uh, keep them to kind of short questions and you are going to have a deadline on this. So if you want to ask Jason some questions, uh, you're going to need to have those in by 11:59 59 PM Pacific time on Saturday, August 7th. Okay. So you've got, if you're listening to this podcast on the day it's released, it's August 3rd. So you've got about four days, four or five days to get your questions to us at all of our various outlets, whichever one you want. And we are going to compile uh, some of our favorites. And we're going to ask Jason those questions when we sit down to talk with him. And like Pam said, uh, we are very excited. We are huge fans of his and you know, he just could not be a nicer man. And so I'm hoping that this is going to become a recurring thing. Now, obviously he's going to get busier, Once the talk show starts back up in the fall, but we're hoping to be able to have, uh, Jason on more than just the one time because, uh, he seems already in the early conversations that we've had with him. Uh, he seems to be, uh, the type that would be kind of up for that. And, uh, We might try to do some other stuff uh, down the road, but either way, uh, we're very, very excited uh, to have Jason on the podcast. Again, the episode that Jason's going to be on is going to release on August 17th. If you have questions for Jason, you need to get them in by Saturday night, August 7th. And again, like Pam said, you can send those to all of our various social medias. Yeah.
0: And I just want to give a special shout out to Dan, who we had on one of our My Kelly Experience episodes a couple months back. He's actually the one who kind of helped us get the ball rolling. He actually tweeted Jason saying, hey, you should be on Miss Into Podcast. And Jason was like, all right, sure. Absolutely. Message me. So I just want to give a special <laughs> shout out to Dan for starting the conversation because. Yeah. That's awesome. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. And so uh, be looking for our very special episode with Jason Halbert, musical director for Kelly Clarkson and also the musical director for the Kelly Clarkson show. Uh, That's going to be two weeks from today's release again on August 17th. We can't wait.
0: All right. Should we uh, should we dive in the first one?
1: Yes, let's do it. All
0: right. I will choose the first one. Um, okay. The first one is going to be from Yoel. Hey, Yoel. Okay. Do you hey. Thi- do you think Kelly will ever, ever be on Broadway? I think we may have spoken about this before, and I mm-hmm. think the answer is probably yes, because she said that she wants to, and she comes from the musical theater world growing up. However, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. I think at the earliest, it might be like when- the kids are like maybe high school age and she feels like she can like leave them for a period of time because I know, for example, correct me if I'm wrong, like Waitress, I think I'm not really super savvy on my Broadway, but I feel like Waitress, the musical, they do a lot of rotating so that they'll have mm-hmm. people on for like, you know, six or eight weeks at a time and then they'll rotate and do some, have someone else be the the lead. I could see something like that, like a limited run.
1: Yeah, it's actually funny that you picked waitress because you know as Broadway has started to come back uh, post pandemic, uh, waitress is actually doing sort of a stunt where Sarah Bareilles is coming back and she's coming back to the lead role for I want to say it's like either a a four or maybe even shorter week period. It could be maybe six, Uh, but either way, she's coming back for a very limited engagement uh, in that particular role as Jenna in the show, and I you know. My sort of answer for this question is, you know, if you had asked me this three years ago, I would have said, absolutely, this is something that's going to happen probably within the next 10 years. Well, then we have the Kelly Clarkson show come and the Kelly Clarkson show becomes very popular. It becomes the heir apparent and now the heir obvious to the Ellen show. And so now that question is a lot harder to answer because not only is Kelly tied up with all things Kelly Clarkson show. She's also based now out in LA which the exact opposite side of the country from Broadway. So I think that I give it a tentative yes, but I think it's going to be like what Sarah Borellis is doing where she does like a 4 to 6 week special run in some kind of show. And it'll probably be over the summer when she's not doing the talk show. And that's about it. And I agree with Pam. I think it's going to be years from now when the kids are older and they are a little more self-sufficient, possibly even once they're uh, grown and out of the house. I don't see it uh, being anytime soon and uh, depending on how long the the talk show is successful uh, it could be much further down the line than I think we originally thought it might be because when you're obviously a singer who is just making albums and touring and you know doing that cycle you have a bigger opportunity to open up some time in your calendar to do something like this because it's not just the whole oh I'm going to come and play this role for Three, four weeks, and that's all the time it's going to take up. I mean, you're going to have weeks in advance of rehearsals and choreography Mm -hmm. and learning the music. Potentially, depending on the show, if she's if she's starting a show, she might have to record a cast album. There's just there's a lot that goes into being into a Broadway show other than just jumping into the show and doing it now. In the instance of Sarah Borellis, like we gave the example at the beginning, it's different because she was a factor in the creation of the waitress uh, show. And she wrote a lot of the music and she knows this music. So she can literally one day be on the beach doing nothing. And then the next day she's on Broadway because she's she knows this show. Right. Kelly for Kelly, it's going to be very different. Now, that said, I would love for this to happen because and I would actually love it to be a show that Kelly kicks off and starts and does the cast album for because that's how you get the tea in your e-got, baby.
0: That's a good point. I didn't think of that. That's a really yeah. good point. And I have a feeling if she were to she were to be on Broadway, it would be like an existing show. Like even if it's been off Broadway for years, like it's still uh-huh. like a show. I don't think it would be like a brand new show from scratch. I have a feeling she would want to bring back a revival of something. I don't know what I have a feeling that's what it would be, though. Like, I, I have no idea, like, what show. I'm not really savvy on all my musical theater knowledge, but I really don't think it would be, like, a brand new show from scratch. I could be wrong, you can though. Still get
1: a you, you can still get a Tony for one of those. Yes, you
0: can. I just, that's just, yeah. I'm I'm not really sure. But to answer your question, I think probably just not anytime soon.
1: Okay, so let me, you said you're not very Broadway savvy, so I don't I'm know like if I can if, answer you. i want to if. Like, I want to like, ask the question, okay, revive a show what show would she be in
0: oh gosh yeah that's i mean (laughs) this is probably not i I don't know i just i I just love this musical i don't know if this would be the best fit for her it's just the first one that came to mind i love hairspray i love it. that was the one i was gonna say (laughs) seriously yes it's so i just think
1: she would she would kill it in that genre of music and i that was the perfect the first one (laughs) i thought of was Hairspray? I was like, "Oh, she would be awesome in that show!"
0: Uh, wow, get on my also, head. I also, I also, I don't think this would ever happen, but I would also love to see her in Rent. I love Rent, and that might be a, uh-huh. a basic answer. I'm not sure. I love Rent. I've seen Rent and and Hairspray both off Broadway, so I've never seen them both on, but I've seen them both off Broadway before. And regardless, they're still great. The actors are still amazing. Yeah. Um, I I do love Rent, so that's funny. Hairspray is so good. I love that. Uh, it's such a good show. It's so yeah. good. All
1: nice. Right. Uh, thanks for the uh, question, Yoel. All right. So, uh, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to Jack's question here. Uh, Jack says, do you both think that Mr. Know-It-All was really intended to be the lead single from Stronger? I know we haven't gotten to the stronger album breakdown, but I have always found Mr. Know-It-All to be a bit of an outlier to the rest of the album. Now, I've always been puzzled by its selection as the first single agreed with having What Doesn't Kill You for a second single, though. And I personally assumed it was the only somewhat radio-friendly song left that hadn't leaked that summer.
0: Interesting. Wow,
1: there's a lot here. Pam, start with you.
0: So I I don't really know the answer to this. I can just make assumptions which we usually shouldn't do but for the sake of this I'll just make an assumption. Um I have a feeling so yeah a lot just to give you some of the newer fans some context um back in 2011 a lot of songs leaked. A lot of her songs leaked. Some of them were just completely random songs. Some of them were intended for The Stronger album and ended up making it onto The Stronger album. Some of them were finished, some of them were demos. You can hear more about it in our Demos episode from a couple months ago. Um So, I just, I have a feeling, I honestly don't think it was the best radio single, as far, like, to bring up the point, it was the only song left. I think there were a lot of other songs that could have been a much better uh, first lead single. Um, Maybe Let Me Down, Alone, You Can't Win. There were a lot more I thought could have been better, so I'm not really sure, and I don't think all of those were leaked, I think only all let, let me down and you can't win where i don't remember if alone was leaked but i also have a feeling and jeremy you can correct me if i'm wrong because i think you may actually know the answer to this but i think also just the message behind mr know-it-all where it, and especially the music video where it's a big f you to like any critics or anyone who's really wronged her i think it was kind of fitting for like a new era but i don't know i think it's just an assumption jeremy do you actually know the answer you're smiling. So I think, I think I actually, you do. Yeah.
1: I think I actually do know the answer to this because I remember hearing about it in an interview. Uh, the things that we do know for certain is that Mr. Know It All was, I believe, the last song that was actually recorded for the album. It was because the, the, the record was 2012. Is that right?
0: 11. It was the end of 2011.
1: That's right. That's right. Okay. And I know that this song was recorded early on in the year. And then it was during the middle of the year that we sort of had all the leaks go out. But I know that she has said in the interview that she picked Mr. Know-it-all as the first single because in fact, it was unlike any other song that she had already had. And especially when it comes to radio singles and, She had been so known at that point, even just four albums in, she had been known for sort of the big anthemic songs, and this was not that. Um, Now, technically, you know, with Breakaway, technically Breakaway was the first single, so it wasn't really a big anthem, but then you had Since You've Been Gone come out second. You had My Life Would Suck Without You as the first single off of All I Ever Wanted. Uh, You had Miss Independent, which was the first big single off of Thankful. So you've got these big anthemic, like guitar, crunchy songs that are the first singles. And this one was just so like left field that I think she really thought that this set up the album better than if she were to put out What Doesn't Kill You for the very first single. So I think that that's what it was. And I think it did give her a really good reason to make the music video because you're right. I mean, she in between uh, the stronger album and the all I ever wanted album, she did go through a lot of sort of turmoil, not to mention the stuff that was left over from the, my December era. And so that's why you saw sort of the, various newspaper uh, fake headlines that, you know, they used throughout the video. There was a really good reason to do all that. And I think that song was the perfect song to do it. And it was, I think a nice little palate cleanser. It's like, okay, you know what? We had a lot of nonsense go on over the course of the last four years. We're wiping that slate clean. We're starting new with a new album. And really, if you think about it, stronger was the album. That was sort of the final, And I'll use this phrase again, palate cleanser from the I really think it kind of washed away the My December drama for good. Mm -hmm. All I Ever Wanted did a pretty good job of that. And we'll talk about that a little more in depth when we get to our album breakdown of that particular record. But I think that Mr. Know It All and the stronger album and especially uh, the stronger single Those officially closed the door and people stopped talking about all the drama that went on behind the scenes with a record that was, at that point, four years old. They finally stopped talking about it, and they started talking about how she was making bangers again. And so Mr. All was just a really, really good start to that album. And... I, she's she's referred to that song as being a very sassy song and she always thought that that was sort of a little bit of what that record was the the stronger record as a whole and so i think it was a it was a decent first single now obviously there are other songs that i like on that album better and this will actually dovetail into a question that uh, we have also for today's show. We can even show, go into that
0: next. <laughs> well,
1: I actually want to I want to actually leave that question for last okay. because I think that's the toughest of all of our questions. And okay. we'll get to that. Okay. Um. But otherwise, I hope that that answers your question, Jack. I mean, it was Kelly's decision to do that. I don't think it had anything whatsoever to do with the leaks. I think that, you know, we all put a lot of emphasis on what songs leaked, what songs didn't, you know, who, who got a hold of what song. We all made a big deal out about that because we are in the thick of it. Uh, not to get all backyard again. I was just like, but... don't
0: start. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ugh, I we can't. No,
1: Through stop. the bush. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the reason why that was such a big deal is because It was a big deal to us. We're too close to it, okay? If you are a major fan of Kelly, in fact, if you're listening to this podcast, that means you're a big fan of hers, you're too close to it. It seemed like a big deal because it was a big deal in our world. The average population, moms in minivans taking kids to school every day, they didn't even know this album leaked, let alone heard any of the songs. They had no idea. The general public had no clue that this happened. They might've even just heard that songs from new albums were leaking on the internet, but they had no idea who the radio wasn't playing them. The radio wasn't talking about it. So the general public had no idea that this happened. So even if Mr. Know-it-all would have leaked out and, you know, a bunch of fans heard it, it was such a small, minute number of people that it didn't even matter. And, it didn't affect album sales, at least not um, on the what we call the the left side of the decimal point. Um, it's on the right side, which means it was so like tiny and inconsequential that people didn't care, and the record labels don't care. So we we need to stop worrying about oh, this affected album sales and, you know, everybody heard the songs early. It's like, eh, no, the fans, the the hardcore fans heard the songs early.
0: And they're still buying random the album. Normal,
1: yeah, random normal people that like her records because they put it on their yoga playlist or whatever. They didn't know and they never heard it, so <laughs> no big deal. Play- yoga playlist. <laughs> I'm always picking on the moms who have it on, like, their running playlist. But, but I, I'm not doing that to, like, shade those moms or anything. I'm doing it because they are the average demo. generic consumer. Yeah. They are the average demo, like Pam just said. So they are the ones who are the casual. Oh, I like that song. I mean, they may not have even had Mr. Know-it-all on their iPod or whatever, but they definitely had stronger because they liked the song. They like to run to it. They like to work out to it. They just like to sing along to it. Mm-hmm. It kind of spoke to them. So we have to remember that as fans, And ultra fans, I'll call us weird. We're we're just too close to it. We we have our eyes on every single little solitary thing that happens. And the average public does not. They see the very broad brushstrokes of what goes on. We're down here in the like in the dirt, in the minutia, like looking at every little solitary thing that she does. (laughs) And there's like such a small number of us that care about that kind of crap that it doesn't really matter at the end of the day reach jack there's your long-winded answer yeah
0: that's the answer that all right so I was wrong. um moving on um next question i like this one um this one comes from michelle um she asked what song would you like to hear reimagined on the next tour i mean this is really hard and i think i might give the most basic answer the most predictable answer possibly and that would be miss independent um huh. because i feel like every tour every two tours every couple of years something about the song changes if you listen to a performance of Kelly's from 2003 and listen to a 2019 performance there's a lot of different versions of this and I love that and I love the journey and the different interpretations that this song has had over the last almost two decades and I really hope that's something that she continues to do each and every tour, even if it's slight or if it's something that her and Jason do, even if it's very slight, I just love the different versions that they do. My favorites were probably the ones that she did for the, my December tour where they did that cool mashup with like, um, they did some Kanye in there. Um, I think they did what did they do. They do some, was it uh, ACDC? I think they did some back in black. I think. Yeah, there's
1: some Led Zeppelin in there. Yeah.
0: I love that version and then I love the one I think I mentioned in a previous episode that she did um during like 2010-ish. She was on Ellen, she did a, she did a cool medley. Um I just love the journey this has taken. So, it might be a basic and lazy answer, but that's my answer. What about you?
1: I have to say, Pam, I actually agree with you. This was my choice as well. Um, The reason being, and I'll I'll get back to the reasons why I, I like Miss Independent for this. But the reason why I wouldn't choose other songs is sort of the reason why I get very frustrated at concerts by artists who are what we might call nostalgia acts, legacy artists, artists who have been around for 20 plus years. Because once they've been around for long enough, they've been performing these songs for years. They get sick and tired of, you know, playing insert mega hit here for the 600th time. And so they start to mess with it. And I'm going to definitely date myself here a little bit, but it's it's the best example that I have. And that is that I went to a Hall & Oates concert. Now, if you are under the age of like 30, you might not even know who Hall & Oates is. They are one of the best-selling... Uh, male duos in the rock era of all time. And they have massive, massive hits. They were giant in the eighties. And I saw them a few years ago and they retooled so many of their songs for their tour that some songs were almost unrecognizable. And the problem when you do that is that now you're messing with people's memories Because there is a reason that people got into that band. They loved songs like Kisses on Your List or Maneater or, you know, insert, you know, big hollow note song here. And they want to hear the song like they remember it on the record when they go to see you in concert. I know that, you know, some people say, oh, my God, the song sounds exactly the same as the album. And I don't like that. Well, not everybody is that way. Some people want to hear the song exactly the way they know it because they know how to sing along to it. They know where all the breaks are and where the crescendos are and this and that. And so when you start messing with people's memories like that, it gets annoying and then they don't have as good of an experience. So I think that, for you for in respect to your uh answer pam i think the basic answer would have been something like a since you've been gone or a stronger even uh even though that song is you know just barely 10 years old um I think that those would have been the obvious choices, but I think those are the ones that are to the point where they are untouchable. Like you cannot mess with these songs because yes, again, for those of us who are too close to it and that have been to 20 plus shows, we've heard these songs over and over again. And, you know, we, we joke about how people are, you know, sick of hearing breakaway in concert and all that. But, there are just some people and they're not the ones who are in the first, you know, 10 rows. They're the people who bought, you know, the cheapest ticket and they're in the back and Breakaway comes on and they look at their friend and they go, oh, my God, I love this song. <laughs> yes. And they <laughs> sing that with all their heart. They don't see the mega fans, you know, down in front who have been to 30 shows. We're going to and get they're beer. Like, oh, my God. Again, <laughs> Kelly, come on. No, I mean she has to. <laughs> she has to appeal to a very wide group you of people. You need to do
0: that voice every episode.
1: Yes, thank you. Uh, she has. She appeals to a wide range of people. There are the people who are sick and tired of breakaway, and there are some people who are seeing it live for the very first time. And you can't. You can't steal that moment from people if you're a major fan. You just can't because. And I've said this before. Every single concert. Is someone's favorite concert of all time.
0: And maybe first concert as well.
1: As well as first. And so just because you're sick of hearing Breakaway live, that doesn't mean that she has to take it out of the set list to appease you or to appease the fans. You don't want to hear. I got to say, you don't want to hear Breakaway live again. Don't go to the damn show. Oof. Oh, I, I said what I said, or or use that as your beer or bathroom break. Yes, okay, that's what I do. Okay, fine. But at the same time, somebody in that arena or somebody in that concert hall loves that song or has never seen it live before. Yeah. And you can't steal that moment from them. And so, again, I'm kind of going off on this other complete tangent, but it's just sort of something that I'm really passionate about. How do you really
0: about. feel, Jeremy?
1: I know, but going back to the original answer, I do like Miss Independent for this because there is a precedent, okay? That's the reason why. She has already monkeyed with this song before and people dug it. And so that song, while yes, some people love that song, I think we're also far enough removed with that particular song that people will be okay with hearing new interpretations of it. I'm not saying that there's still gonna be people in the crowd that go, oh, why didn't she play it like I know it? There's gonna, there's always gonna be that person or those people. But I think that there is a precedent with Miss Independent because she has changed it before, that this song could be the song that she oftentimes changes up, turns it into a ballad, turns it into an EDM track, turns it into whatever, turn it into a rap song. Miss Independent as a ballad.
0: Wow. I never thought of that.
1: I mean, try it, you know, could, it could happen. It could work. Yeah. Totally. Um, So yeah, that would be my answer for this. Um, And again, I I apologize for going off on that, that random tangent, but I mean, I'm very, I'm very, I'm I'm very opinionated and I'm very passionate when it comes to live music, because I think when, when you get too self-involved and I'm not pointing fingers at any one person, just, I'm just saying this is a broad term. When you get so self-involved with a, with an artist and with going to concerts and it's like, you know what? Yeah, I can afford, you know, the $500 ticket or I can, I can afford to go to, you know, more than one show. You, you get a little too possessive and now you're making demands that are just unrealistic. I'm not saying anybody has ever done that. Like I said, I'm not pointing anybody out because I am guilty of this too. I definitely am. You know, Kelly is one of those artists that plays the same set list for the most part every single night. You've got artists like, uh, you know, my other favorite artist is Dave Matthews Band. They do a different every, set list every single every night. night yeah. Every night is different. And they've got, I mean, them and Kelly are somewhat comparable in number of albums released. Uh, they've got a, a couple more. But nonetheless, they they're still working with a large batch of material mm-hmm. like Kelly is. But yet they're able to make a completely different show every single night. But that's a rock show. When you're dealing with a more pop mainstream show, those are a little more polished and they've got the, you know, the LEDs and the the video boards and the lights and everything. And all of that is choreographed. So it's harder for her to come up with a different set list every single night. So if you do go to multiple shows, you're going to hear the same song every single night. And that's just the price you pay for attending a pop singer's Mm -hmm. concerts time after time. But again you may be going to you know chicago for the third time to see her but there's a like 14 year old girl who's seeing her first kelly show and it's going to be a magical night for her because she's going to sing all these songs that she knows even though you're sick of them oh
0: my god she's going to have the time was, of her life i was 14 the first time i saw kelly oh <laughs> so exciting um i think no i think i think it's a really good point but yeah i think miss independent i mean maybe as a collective fandom we just agree that's the one song that's always going to be changing and that's okay yeah. and not to say that like you know since you Gone has she's done different versions of it before but it's not something that she's probably gonna completely do a 180 on and do like yeah ballad i mean she said acoustic but not like a ba- i don't know where i'm getting yeah. at but yeah all right so to answer your question miss independent is our answer
1: and just uh, w- just to put a cap on this, we should also remember that in, and I know, Pam, you didn't see this tour, but in the Breakaway tour, when Kelly did kind of the punk rock version of a moment like this, yeah. people lost their minds. Oh my God, I love they th- that. Th- they thought it was the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. And that song was like three years old. So it's, it's not to say that she can't flip the script Bring on just about back. any song, but uh, at the same time... You know, I, I think that, you know, you, you're you just going to have to understand that some songs are going to stay the same way forevermore.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: All right. Your turn.
0: Choose one.
1: Okay. Let's go to uh, this is from at sweet pineapple cat and dog. Excellent that's name. Long. Yes. That's a long name, but an excellent name. Do you know if there was an official meaning of life tour released? I've only found ones on YouTube, which aren't great quality. Um, you know, we sort of touched on this uh, in an episode a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it was our—I um, think it was our Hazel Eyes episode a couple of weeks ago, where you know, artists as of about like the mid 2010s, maybe early 2010s, artists were kind of done releasing like live DVDs or even live Blu-rays of concerts. There's there's still going to be a few that come out, but. I think we've seen the end of that just because of the streaming era and the fact that there are so many different outlets that people can find concert films. Again, the Taylor Swift example is a good one. Um, I do know that when it comes to meaning of life, there was... A and help me here, Pam. It was like a 360, so, like,
0: yeah, and some
1: goggle. Yeah, vision. I
0: it's the VR thing, which I, yeah. VR, I hate. I did not watch it because VR makes me very nauseous. I, I can't do it. Um, yeah. there was some app, and if someone wants to, you know, tweet us, go for it. I just can't remember because I knew I wasn't going to watch it for that reason. I just, nope, my brain does and eyes do not match up with that. Anyway, there is some <laughs> app where you can like buy. Um, I think it was like the, da- was it the Dallas stop on the media life tour? It was like the full, think sh- think it was so, the yeah. full show. And you can like, I think you were able to like be s- like the view was like, part of it was like you were on stage and it was, mm-hmm. it was cool from their clips I saw online. Um, I don't know if that's on YouTube. I tend to doubt it, but, um, I think if you do a little digging, there is a VR app. Um, again, hopefully someone who listens to this episode early when it, this comes out can let us know because it's kind of escaping my memory. Um, it is yeah. a, it, There is a show out there. So the answer is yes. We'll have to find it.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't like I can't remember how they distribute. Like you had to purchase either this the VR goggles or you had to purchase the app or whatever. And then you could get access to this particular meaning of life show. Yeah. Uh, but. I mean, as far as being commercially available for everybody to watch and watch in their homes, no, they never did. And I mean, really, that's sort of the one thing that Kelly has never really released in her whole of her career which is, is a, travesty. A, Ugh. a live DVD or a live anything. I mean, yeah, we've got plenty of live songs that she's released and those are great, but Never. I mean, even when artists live DVDs were popular, she wasn't releasing them either. And and I know because I was among them. I mean, the fan base was begging for them uh, from starting with the uh, breakaway tour they were begging for one they would have i mean they would have shelled out the money for that in a heartbeat and i'm not i mean i have no idea why they never tried to capitalize on that i don't know if they you know saw the sales of the miss independent dvd and the and the hazel eyes dvd and they just thought eh, we only sold a you know a few tens of thousands of copies of that not really going to be worth our trouble to do a live video of any sort. So uh, again, I would love to see some sort of a concert on a streaming service. I mean, that would be nice. That said, I would probably only watch it once, maybe twice. It's not going to be something that I come back to over and over again. You know, I'm I'm looking right now at a shelf of several uh, concert films. You know, I've got, you know, uh, John Mayer live concerts. I've got a bunch of Dave Matthews live concerts. I got Harry Connick Jr. You know, I've got the Nirvana Unplugged. And I've maybe watched each of those a couple times. I mean, the Nirvana one I've watched a bunch of times just because I was a big fan when I was a kid and, you know, I saw the original in MTV, but the rest I've probably watched through once or twice at best. Yeah.
0: I feel like whenever I watch one of those concert films, it's usually because I'm like scrolling through the TV and it happens to be on like, like PBS or like MTV. I think there was like an MTV classic station, like some of those kind of things. Um, that's usually when I, or like MTV live. That's when I usually kind of watch these live shows yeah, just from a personal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it would be the same thing. I would, I would love for it to be a physical if they were to ever put something out, even though it's not super realistic at this point, unless it was like a CD DVD combo that they released with her next album. I don't know. Um, but I would buy it for more of the collector thing rather than watching it over and over and over again. That being said, though, if you're someone who hasn't had the opportunity to to see Kelly or maybe you live in an area where she doesn't tour, then I have to put on a different hat there and understand why you would want to watch it over and over again.
1: I think if there was anything that I kind of wish that they did release is that I wish they would have come out with a deluxe edition of Meaning of Life that had a DVD slash Blu-ray of... The Nashville Sessions attached yes. to it. That would have been really cool because I really, really loved the Nashville Sessions that they were putting out as the album was was approaching its that release. should
0: be a record store day release. Oh my god, do I have to tweet be- Atlantic Records?
1: That would be fantastic, honestly. I mean, and that's a that's a great way to do it. If we are going to get a, a live video to do a vinyl of the Nashville sessions, I mean, I can just see like Pam crossing her own heart right now, just just the joy thinking about <laughs> I'm owning be camping that.
0: Camping out at three a.m. to get the to get the only coffee that they have at the store.
1: Look, it's sad that that is not more widely available. I mean, it's on YouTube, so it's widely available, but it's not more widely known about because. I mean, you want to talk about some solid performances of songs from that new album or that, that album when it was new. That's it. I mean, those are really good. I mean, you can go back and you can listen to like the iTunes sessions or, you know, insert whatever sessions she did when she would be out promoting new albums. And none of them compare to the Nashville sessions for Meaning of Life. I, I mean, it's, yeah. it's the superior first performances of those songs of an album than any other album.
0: Yeah. I remember a couple months ago I had tweeted something like basically this was my opinion. I think the Nashville sessions is on par. Probably the best session she's done. The only other session that I think comes as closer in my opinion to be- Maybe a little better, but maybe not because they're very different. And this is, you know, Mm -hmm. I I know you're going to be like, no, Pam, you're wrong. But the 2004 Breakaway Sessions at AOL, I think those are incredible vocals. I mean, that versus Meaning Mm -hmm. of Life 2017, very, very different. So it's kind of comparing apples and oranges. Um, But Nashville Sessions 2017, Sessions at AOL 2004, arguably the two best sessions she's ever done.
1: They're both online.
0: But to go back to answer your original question, we're doing a lot of tangents today um yeah yes the dallas stop of the tour is on some vr app program and we will hopefully have an answer for you check out our twitter some point when this episode is out that week because yes. hopefully someone will tell us thank you
1: Here, here's hoping
0: <laughs> you're so but i'm sure someone will people know a lot more than we do so
1: all right next question pam
0: um, next question. Okay, so this one um, I think I'm going to be the one who's going to be answering this mostly compared to Jeremy. Does Kelly choose her tour dates? This comes from Scott. So, okay, obviously I'm not in the room when, like, you know, they're planning out Kelly's tours. But from my experience of working with artists on tours, not really. She doesn't really have a ton of say. So typically, from my experience, how it works is alright, she's getting a you know, getting ready for a new album or she just put it, put out a new album and her team is like, all right, we got to plan a tour. And Kelly's like, okay, I, you know, she'll work with her man, her management, which uh, at the moment, I don't know if she has manager, but just, we're going to think a very hypothetical situation. She works with her manager and she'll be, they'll be talking with her booking agent, her agency who is responsible for booking tours. And, um, they will work out, all right, we think we're going to release the album in September and we'll do a tour January through March or January through April. I'm just picking out random whatever. So basically how it works is they figure that out. They figure out like a time block that they want to try to target for. And then what an agent does typically is they will um, reach out to multiple venues throughout the country. Sometimes they'll reach out to multiple venues um, in the same city to get different bids on how much they would offer Kelly to put on the show, how much it would cost, and then how much they would actually pay her. And um, how it works sometimes is... So say for... I'm just going to give New York as an example, because that's all I really know. New York City, we have Madison Square Garden, we have Barclay Center, we have Prudential Center. Those are three big arenas in the area. And um, so for me and meaning a life tour, she did a different venue that I think, I don't even know if it's open anymore, but how it works essentially is this is a little music industry. one oh one. hope you guys don't mind how it works is the agent will put maybe bids in on all three venues for Kelly to play and either, Oh, the venue has availability or you know what? Someone else put in a, put in an offer first. So we're going to put you on a hold. So, it's really, it's a gamble because you don't know who's going to give you the most money. And if the venue is open that day, they basically have to route the country and figure out, okay, we're going to start in LA on this day. We want to get to the Midwest around mid-February. Let's see what dates work. It's a big logistics thing. Eventually, the agent will come back with a tentative schedule after contacting tons of venues They'll come back with a tentative schedule. All right, we're going to be starting on this date. We'll end on this date. And this is what it looks like at the moment. We may have a hold here. So if, you know, we might be able to go to Nebraska if they're open that day, that sort of thing. They present that back to management and Kelly and they'll work out agreement and they'll figure out, okay, I think this works. And then the agent from there just takes it from there and books it. So to answer the question... Kelly has a bit of a say in approval, but she is not really out there like with them, like scouting out venues and doing the scheduling herself. That's what an agent is for. Um, She's not
1: sitting there pouring over a map going, you know, does anybody know if we've been to Louisiana lately? lately?" Like Have we been there? If you're a smaller
0: artist who doesn't have an agent, then absolutely. That's what you do. Um, But for someone of Kelly's size and for a lot of bigger artists, they have an agent that does all that for them. The agent will present some, ideas to uh, the artist and the management, sometimes maybe just management and then they'll prove it. Or it be like, no, I don't want to play that venue on that date. We're going to do a promotional thing that day instead. Um, or no, we don't like that venue or we did really badly at that venue last time. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I think we mentioned this one of the very earlier episodes of the podcast that there's a lot of also like marketing logistics that go into it. That isn't necessarily like Kelly's doing It's more of like looking the agent and the manager will look at like uh, streaming insights to see, oh, we have a ton of streaming in Seattle. Let's play show in Seattle or no one's streaming us in Boston. So we're not going to play Boston, you know, things like that. So um, I hope that answers your question. I like talking about this kind of stuff. It's really nerdy, but I like it.
1: That's, that's, That's your wheelhouse, man. That's my wheelhouse. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's a little bit of that's a little touring one on one. It's uh, a lot more complicated than that. But that's a very, um, very loose answer.
1: Yeah, I have nothing to add because your your answer is correct. Yay. So nothing for me to add. Yay. <laughs> All right. So let's go on to a question from Sarah. She says, what would you ask or discuss with Kelly if and when she is a guest on the podcast? Uh, First and foremost, Sarah, thank you for being so positive and saying not just if, but when (laughs) she's a guest. Uh, it's I'll say this. It's being efforted. Okay. There are lots of cogs and wheels and such behind the scenes that we are working on. And trust us, this was always a goal of ours when we started this podcast to eventually have Kelly on. And I am with you. I think that it's not a question of if, but when, but you know, you're dealing with now one of the most visible people in television, as well as a huge music star. Uh, It's hard to carve out some time for a, Little old fan
0: podcast. (laughs) Um, We're not Mayim Bialik. uh, No, (laughs) (laughs)
1: we don't.
0: We don't have that kind of star power yet.
1: No, we don't. Um, Look, I I would be kidding you guys if I said that I hadn't thought about this since the day we decided to do the podcast. Um, There are a lot of questions that I have. And I, I legitimately, and I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say this whatsoever. When I'm driving my car and I'm, just, you know, kind of zoning out or whatever, I, I'm an only child, so I have talked to myself my whole life, and I talk to myself still to this day, and I have asked some of the questions. That I've wanted to ask Kelly out loud in my car as I'm driving because I want to hear how they sound coming out of my mouth. Do I sound like a complete tool when I'm asking? Do I sound like a crazy fanboy? You're also a radio
0: journalist DJ, so it's also you just practicing. Think of it that way as well. But also, there's nothing wrong with talking to yourself. I'm not an only child and I still talk to myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I want to hear how these questions sound, because if they sound dumb coming out of my mouth, then they're definitely going to sound dumb, you know, going towards an artist. (laughs) And I mean, I want to and I and I'll speak for Pam on this in that we take the podcast very, very seriously in that, you know, if and when we have prominent people in Kelly's camp or, you know, even Kelly herself, we're not just going to be like, oh, my God, what's your favorite song from Breakaway? (laughs) You know, like, I, I, yeah. and, and no shade to somebody who would like absolutely freeze and ask that kind of a question. But and I don't want to I want to I don't want to go so far as to say that we're like journalists because we're not. But I think that Pam and I would have the opportunity to ask the kinds of questions that fans have always wanted other interviewers to ask. Yeah. Because we always we, we see these even a lot of the radio interviews and a lot of the TV interviews and they they they're they're gearing towards a very broad audience. And this kind of goes back to the whole like, uh, you know, songs that they're changing in the set list. They're they're having to satisfy a very wide audience of people who don't know the small details about Kelly and her career. Now, again, we know that the people that listen to this podcast are deep into it. They know the nitty gritty about Kelly and so they're not going to be satisfied with the broad brush brushstroke. Like, tell me about
0: questions. your songwriting process. Like, We've heard exactly. that a billion times. And if you haven't, you yes. can easily find that on YouTube. I mean, I don't know. Yes. I'm going to be honest here. I haven't really thought about questions, not because I don't think it's going to happen. I just hasn't really thought. But I also, this might sound weird. I don't necessarily want to ask musical questions. Or if I do, I want to ask more about like her influence And Mm -hmm. that sort of thing, because I feel like we already know a lot of the answers to what inspired you to write this song, that sort of thing. I would ask probably more things about like her as a person. I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but that's, that's what I care more about right now because that's what we, as the diehard fans know less about.
1: Yeah. And and I, I want to know the stuff that I don't know yet. Like, like you just said. And if there is one question that, I definitely want to ask. And that is, and it's one of the questions that actually, one of the first ones I ever came up with when we started doing this podcast, and I was thinking about what we would ever ask her is that I want to say, you know, you've done the national anthem at the Super Bowl, you've performed at the halftime of college football bowl games, you've performed for the Pope, you've won Grammys, Emmys. What else is there that you want to achieve? Because you never know what a person's trajectory is. You never, I mean, they just want to entertain people. They want to do what they love. They want to sing. They want to do whatever, but you know, in the back of everyone's head in your job, if you like your job, there is boxes that you're trying to check. You know, you want to say, yes, I did that. And I think I want to know, you know, what does she aspire to do? You know, we we don't know if she, you know, in the back of her head aspired to do a talk show. Yeah. I don't think she did, but they came at her and she thought it sounded cool and she went after it. So there's got to be other things that she aspires to do in her career, even at this point, now that she's, you know, so far into it. it, it um,
0: I was going to say, it may not even have have anything to do with like entertainment or singing or anything. It could be mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to write a novel or I want to open up a restaurant. Like, who knows? Who yeah. knows?
1: And I also want to ask her point blank. I would ask her to her face if she thinks she is an artist who is capable of performing a Super Bowl halftime show.
0: Oh, wow. Because yeah, because
1: who asks artists that, you know, you know, I and I and I know from a from experience that artists who especially do lots and lots of interviews When they get thrown a bunch of questions that they don't have the ready-made answers for because they expect the questions, Mm -hmm. it makes them think a little bit more. And they actually enjoy those interviews a lot more because they're talking about things that they don't talk about every single time they get a microphone put in front of their face. Yeah. And I think that that was one of the reasons why Kelly enjoyed her chat with B. Alex so much because that was one of the most unique interviews I think that we've ever seen with her. And, and she brought up so many things that we had never heard her admit to or talk about in interviews before. And I think that that was not only fun for her but it's fun for the audience as well because again we're not worried about Random people listening to the podcast and being like, why aren't they talking about like what her favorite song is from her latest album? Like they can they can ask that question on Fallon or they can ask that question on Access Hollywood or whatever. Yeah. Like We want to we want to talk about the things that you guys want to hear from her and we as well as fans want to hear from her. So I think that what you can expect from not only from Kelly, but from anybody in her camp. Is that we're going to drill down a little bit further than what the average interviewer would do, because this is the area that I think is the most interesting. This is the area that that we as fans care more about than the broad answers that we've heard 100 times.
0: I think you nailed it. Yeah. And I don't even like it, listening to some interviews anymore because I already know what's going to be be asked. Oh, yeah. did you always want to do a talk show? Oh, what's you know, talk us about talk to us about But It just there's surface answers. So, just yeah. reiterating what you said, I, I just think I I I haven't thought about it because I want to ask something so left field, appropriate, obviously, but very left field, and definitely, I don't really even know where to begin. And now I feel pressure to like, think of some questions.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, don't think too much about it. Cause it will stress you out because <laughs> I've, I've had that happen to me where I'm like, all of a sudden I'm thinking, Oh my God, would I really ask that question? <laughs> right. Is I'm like, is this too
0: intrusive? But it, like, I don't think, you know, I'm not going to be not going to ask anything super, like really like offensive or way too into her personal life because we have some common sense there. So,
1: yeah. And we've sort of set some boundaries on the podcast and yeah. that we stay out of personal lives and all that kind of stuff, because that's not for us to to need to know every single detail. So yeah. uh, we, we, we want to talk about, you know, her passions and, and her career. And, and again, I, I want to extend this to, to anybody who's in Kelly's camp. You know, it would always be, you know, about sort of the nitty gritty and not the same things that you get asked all the time. Exactly. All right. We've got time for about two more questions here. Uh, This one is from Austin. It's a long one here. I have this dream of Kelly recording studio versions of all the songs she sang on Idol and releasing them for the anniversary of her winning American Idol. The 20th is next year. Uh, She mentioned the songs that she sang on Idol a lot as a kind of reference point since moving towards more soulful pop with her music. At least she did during the Meaning of Life promo cycle. Uh, So I feel like it would be a natural fit with where she's going vocally. I don't know. This project might only ever exist as a dream in my mind, but I think it'd be a nice homage to her Idol roots. And would be fun for the fans. What do you all think? All right, so an an album of just the covers that she did on American Idol. Twenty years later, I think that's I think that's a
0: fantastic idea. I think they would it'd be really cool. I mean, I don't know. It'd be hard because I don't know if they would have to do it for like you know all the top ten or whatever. But like, I think it'd be really cool if they did a Kelly version because clearly she's the most successful of that season and sort of of all time. And I think it'd be really cool if they did like a double album where they did all the versions from Idol on one, like on one side or one disc and then the new versions on another. So it's like a little comparison. And Mm -hmm. I think they're going to, some of them might be very different. Some of them might be the same as far as um, what it sounds like. And I think it'd be really cool to see how she puts a new perspective, you know, 20 year old Kelly versus 40 year old Kelly. I think would have very different um, emotions coming out during the songs. Her vocal techniques are different, as we all know. She she sounds similar, but as we know, her voice has changed over the years, as many artists do. I think that's a great idea, Austin. I have n- I I tend to doubt it would happen. I could be wrong, but I would. I think it's a fantastic idea that I never thought of.
1: I like the idea again. You know, for like a record store day kind of a thing. I mean, it would be kind of cool. Um, I'm with you. I I I doubt something like this would happen. I I just don't know if she is going to want to continue to go back to that Idol well. I know she's not. You know, disavowing Idol whatsoever, and you know, she still gives little nods to it here and there, but. And I would love to hear full versions of many of the songs that she did on that show. And we do have a full, uh, a full studio versions of a couple of those, but not not all of them. Um, Would it be cool? Yeah, I I think it would be definite like fan service. I don't think it's going to be anything that's you know major commercial because at this point, you know, a lot of people have forgotten about the fact that you know i mean they they know that kelly came from idol but they've forgotten about those songs and they're not thinking about those songs at all uh so otherwise it sounds cool again it would be very very niche and fan service but i mean i suppose never say never but i mean at the end of the day it would be it would be a covers album so
0: yeah or maybe something she could do like oh we i mean there're more than 5 songs but maybe like one week on the Kelly Clarkson show her Kelly would be just these songs. Like she would do like stuff like that there one day. She would do natural woman one day. That's an idea. And I think it could be like a realistic idea.
1: I think that is more likely than us ever getting like studio versions of, of everything that she did on idol.
0: Yeah. But I think, I think it's a really cool idea. I never thought of that and I can't believe next year is 20 years. That is no kidding. Insane. It's really terrifying, but it's, that's cool. Um, that's a great question. Thank you, Austin.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Austin. All right. Last question, Pam.
0: All right. This is a good one. This is uh, from Moni. This is, if you could pick a different lead single for each era, which would you pick? It can be any song from the era, single or not. Wow. That's a good question. This is a, this is a tough one.
1: I Fantastic d- question, Moni. Did you
0: do your homework last night? Because I did. Uh, excellent. I did. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so thankful, thankful. We know the lead single was Miss independent. I personally Mm -hmm. think it was the best choice. I think they they nailed it. Yep. But if I had to choose a different song from the album to be the lead single, this was really difficult, but I chose Just Miss the Train. <laughs> did you choose the same song?
1: No, no. I, I, okay. I actually didn't. Uh, I did not go through and be like, oh, well, if I have to choose something, I'll I'll choose this. I put Miss Independent.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I think that that was the best choice, and it's the best song on the album. Yeah. I, again, said what I said. Um, I There are other songs on that album that I still love, but when it comes to... This particular album, and and this is probably just me overthinking it, but Kelly needed to come out of the gates strong with this album. This was her debut album from a, from coming from a talent show. She needed to have a huge hit coming out of the gates or her career was not going to take off. And there's just no other song on that record that was going to do it. Coming out of the gates, it had to be Miss Independent. It had to be.
0: This was the only album that I went through that I was like they they chose the only correct the really the correct it, uh, option. The other ones I was like, mm-hmm. okay, they maybe could have gone with X, Y or Z, but this was the only album where I'm like there really was no other option. You know, if I absolutely had to choose, I would have chose Just Miss the Train, but I didn't think that was even the best answer. So, yeah, Miss Independent. Sorry. It's just the winner. It has to be. Yeah. Um, all right. Breakaway. All
1: right. For Breakaway. Breakaway. I chose Hazel Eyes.
0: So I was thinking about this last night because ugh, if you listen to the Breakaway album breakdown, I I refuse to believe this, even if it's true. <laughs> <laughs> That Since You've Been Gone was the first single off the album. No, I'm sorry. Breakaway was the first single. I don't care. I'm just gonna believe that. Whatever. So <laughs> keeping that in mind, I thought Since You've Been Gone or Hazel Eyes would have been a great like opening single because they're both really, you know, upbeat, in your face, powerful, and set really what the tone for the rest of the album.
1: Yeah, I mean this album is hard as well because this was sort of the opposite of thankful in that there's sort of an embarrassment of riches when it comes to great singles on this album. Yes. Now that said, I do think that the order that they did everything was correct. Yes. I think that they started and let's go even though I'm the one who was always like, well, it's actually you know since you've been gone was first. I. Let's suspend that and let's just talk about the the order of the songs when they came out. So, Breakaway comes out in the summer. It's sort of the early early single from the album, even though it's technically re released later on. Um, you know, Breakaway was a really great song to bridge between Thankful and Breakaway, and it got people's appetite wet for a new album. And then you absolutely hit it with her signature song, didn't note at the time, but you hit with her signature song to catapult the album off the shelves, and then you just completely keep nailing it with great song after great song. Um, I, again, this time around, I and, and for the rest of the way, I did pick different songs for the first singles, with the exception of one record. But... I think that you really almost couldn't have gone wrong with anything, but I would have definitely put since you've been gone as the second single after hazel eyes, if that's going to be my first one, because you got to get that song out there. I mean, you, there's no way you, you sit on that song yeah. f- until the you know fourth, fourth or fifth yeah. single. Like you, you got to get that it's, song out there because you know, it's a smash. It's got to
0: be number one or two. It had to be. So yeah, it had to be. my December, um, this was kind of similar for me in terms of thankful a little bit where I didn't, mm-hmm. You know, I love this album, but none of the songs scream singles to me. If I had yeah. to choose one, I chose how I feel just because it's like... is that Yeah, you're smiling. Yeah, you chose yep, that Yeah, that's what I picked too. It's just... That's it's, what I picked. It was going to be for me this or One Minute, even though... But One Minute was a single in some territories and it didn't do that well. That's why I didn't choose that one. But how I feel, it's upbeat, it's pop, it's catchy, it's sort of in line with some of the songs on breakaway in terms of vibe so that's why i'm like all right it, it wouldn't have been such a departure and such like a 180 that like never again was never again i mean it sounded a lot like the stuff on breakaway but it sounded like a lot of the stuff at the end of the album that was really dark not yeah. uh since you've been gone or because of you it was more like a hear me like angry. Yeah. So that's why I was like, I don't know if never again would have been like the best radio was like the best single choice by me by any means. So um, how I feel is always one of the songs. I think if I had to choose, it, it should have been a single it should have been the first one.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, my December just was not very single deep and a lot of the songs all kind of just, they kind of are all on the same level for me. Um, I mean, is never again the best single from the album. I don't know, Kind of, you have to kind of catch me on the right day to think that. <laughs> uh, on this particular day, I think that How I Feel would have been a better single. And maybe it's just because we don't know how that song would have done because they didn't release yeah. it. Um, I, I don't think that Don't Waste Your Time was the best choice for a single. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe like a third or fourth single, but I don't know if I would have put it up there very high. But I mean, I would love to see you know what the reaction to, would have been to How I Feel. Uh, it's a song that I enjoy. I still listen whenever it pops up, but yeah, I, I mean, never again would have probably been the second single yeah, then for me. And I
0: feel like people are like, Oh my God, sober. I mean, as we know, sober was released in some areas, but unfortunately they did a radio edit, which just totally, it was just a mood, mood killer.
1: And yeah, I think it neutered the it song really did. So yeah. that's
0: why I didn't even bother saying sober because, and I just think even though sober is one of my all time favorite songs, it's just, I don't, know if it's one of those songs that just would have just gone overplayed on radio and just it would have lost its emotion on the radio.
1: And it's funny to say this after we just talked about the Breakaway album, but I do not like leading albums with ballads.
0: Yeah, unless you're like Adele.
1: Whitney Houston. Yeah. Yeah, Or Adele. If you're known for ballads, then by all means, put a ballad out. But if you're a pop singer who I mean, already at when we get to my December, Kelly is known for pop anthems. She's already got Miss Independent. And since she have been gone and you can argue, you know, hazel eyes and, and walk away and you're in the back pocket, but she's already got a few anthems. And so now that's what's expected of her. And you can't hit the ground running with sober because it's just such a slam on the brakes that it just is not going to hit the ear. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would have, I would have definitely started with something upbeat, but again, I would have still put sober out there. Probably would have been the third single and then don't waste your time after that. Maybe one minute. I don't know. It's hard. So it's so hard to say. It's so hard to second guess that particular record. Yeah. Uh, all I ever wanted uh, for this one, I had. If I can't have so you, so did I. Man, we are on the same page. It's today. just
0: one of those songs. It's such a like a bop, and yeah. I just genuinely don't know why they didn't make it a single. I think "My Life Would Suck Without You" is really fun and definitely like you know. It was uh, Max Martin. Was that Doctor doc- Luke and? think they might yeah, have been yeah, a, yeah. I, can't, I can't
1: remember I, off the top of my head i
0: think so and you know it, it was a very catchy song it was very successful but by no means do i think it was one of her better better quality songs and i think she knows that i think that was definitely a forced rca song on her i don't know for sure that's just my assumption um i do mm. not hook up is very catchy but like n- i thought that would have been a great uh, album song And already Mm -hmm. gone, you know, a lot of people love it. I like it, but I just think the Beyonce controversy just ruined it for me. And I just think, yeah, I think if I can't have you would have done really, really well had it gotten the same promotion and attention that My Life Would Suck Without You got.
1: I agree. Yeah, totally. Uh, I I think that I would have even maybe had My Life Would Suck Without You as like a third single. I think that's a good... um, Sometimes we refer to it as a resuscitating single. In that, you know, you might come out with a really great first single and then you come out with a second single that's not as big as the first. It's still decent. It's still helping with album sales. And then you come out with this third single and it's even better. And that sort of gives a shot in the arm to the album. And, you know, the album starts selling again. Um, I think that My Life Would Suck Without You would have been a really good third single from this album. Um, if I had to put, you know, if I can't have you first, uh, I might have toyed with you know either all i ever wanted or maybe even long shot as a second single and and i know that i'm such a homer for that song and i know so many people have hatred for that song really? but yeah oh, I, there's people I out like there that, that, that do not like yeah i, I love long shot. even try, um, i feel like
0: if you want to do a ballad yeah, i think that's a fantastic ballad. and it's very it really it's is very big and it's 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 not yeah. slow really it's there's a lot of power yeah. to it i think that could have been a great single as well
1: the fact that that cry got used in a TV show and off the top of my head, I don't remember what TV show it was, but it got used in a TV show and yet was not a single. Um, I think that's kind of curious. I think that maybe that might have gotten whiffed on. I'm not saying that all I ever wanted, and we're definitely going to go deeper into this when we get to this album breakdown, but I, I think that all I ever wanted was not on the same level as Breakaway as far as being single deep, but it's, it's probably the closest that she's gotten since uh, Breakaway. Yeah. I mean, I, you might say stronger might've gotten there. And eh, I think stronger kind of petered out after about three singles. I think all I ever wanted could have been another four or five single deep album. I, I really do. Yep,
0: I agree. Absolutely. I agree.
1: All right. Uh, speaking of stronger, let's go to stronger. What did you have for that?
0: This was the one I had multiple out. Op- I, I couldn't figure it out. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think they were smart to make stronger. The second single. I think, mm-hmm. I think they were smart. Um, I think You Can't Win could have been a good single um, because lyrically, I think it would have resonated with a lot of people. Um, Let Me Down, I'm just going to be a sucker for it, but like it might have been a little too hard for some casual listeners. And then Jeremy's favorite, I think Alone, would have been a great option. So any of those mm-hmm. three, but I'm leaning more towards You Can't Win or Alone is the first single Where Stronger would be the second.
1: I actually had Let Me Down as the first single. No way. Yeah. I I think that it was just a rockish enough song that it differentiated itself from the sound from All I Ever Wanted, which was a lot heavier pop record. So I like the idea of Let Me Down, like coming in and just like nailing it right off the bat. And then you know you hit them with stronger right afterwards, and you're like, okay, like yeah, this album's got some tempo to it. Um, and then your third single, you come in, you hit them with a ballad, um, would have been nice. But yeah, I mean, there there are some really really good songs here on this album. Now, were they all single worthy, or are we just sort of like sentimental yeah. liking these songs? It's it's probably a little bit more of the of the latter. But either way, I think that. You know, Mr. Know-It-All, I might have even made that the third single mm-hmm. after Stronger. Uh, it's decent, but I don't think it was the the big splash yeah. that that album could have had. And, you know, we sort of talked about that uh, at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Now, did um, you do Rap in Red?
0: I, I did. I yeah, did. me too. What is the first single? I don't even know.
1: The first single was Underneath the Tree.
0: I wasn't sure if it was that or wrapped in red. So I was like, it's one of the two. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought of it a song that could have been a single, which I picked Winter Dreams if I had to choose one. I just. Interesting. I think it's so much fun and it's just poppy and, and I don't know, enjoyable.
1: This is the one I, I kept underneath the tree. I think that that is, <gasps> yeah, you know. They,
0: they chose a good one.
1: That is Kelly Clarkson's All I Want for Christmas Is You. I I mean, quote me on it. It is. And I think that you're going to see that song continue to get this sort of like slow burn over the years. And it's going to continue to become like that staple song. I mean, it's not going to get to the levels of all I want for Christmas is you. But you hear more and more that stations put this song into hot rotation when the holidays come around. Because mm-hmm. it is a core artist for Top 40 Stations. And it's, I mean, it is a banger of a Christmas song. It just it is. is. It's yeah. a great Christmas song. And I think that this was the obvious choice uh, for the singles. There's other great songs on that album for, for holiday yeah. music. But I think that, you know, there, this had to be the first single.
0: Uh, yeah, this was kind of like thankful. I was like, all right, I'll choose one if I have to. But I think mm-hmm. they chose. They, I think they chose the correct one yep so
1: all right let's go to uh, piece by piece
0: piece by piece um I was like what's the first single again um heartbeat song yeah um I this one was hard I chose second wind interesting yeah I'm like I chose a deluxe song um I was I really wasn't sure about this one mm-hmm. because I like all the songs in the album and none of them really screamed. Pick me as a single. None of them did.
1: Really interesting. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, I put I put dance with me. I put dance with me. Yeah,
0: I know you really. Yeah,
1: I I love the song. You love that song. It it was a great song to start the piece by piece tour. Um, I I think that it was it was sad that it did not get more uh, airplay on. I mean, get airplay period on radio. And I and I think I've mentioned this before, but man, you go out to like. Like a an LGBTQ club or something, this song gets played. I mean, this is a awesome dance club song, and I mean, it, it got some dance remixes. And I mean, granted, the whole album did, but nonetheless, I mean, it's a it's a great upbeat song. I really think that this had more tempo, had more of a umph to it than Heartbeat song did. Again, Heartbeat song, great song, would have probably made it the second single, followed by Piece by Piece. Um, although it's so hard to tell, you know, with piece by piece, you know, whether if you sort of go back, if we're going to do our whole Marvel thing here and go back and mess with the timeline and, you know, make dance with me a single, does that affect, you know, whether or not the piece by piece idol version happens and it's like, okay, well, we don't know. Um, But if we were to not change anything, you know, we still get an idle version of piece by piece make that the third single from the album and maybe this album gets a little bit more longevity. But again, I don't work for a record label. They're the ones that make these decisions. So, but I think that I think that would have been a really good, a really good single. I just like the idea of her putting out a banger for the first single for every album. And on this album, that's what that song is for me.
0: Fair. Uh, Last but not least, we got Meaning in Life. So the song, the first single that was out was Love So Soft. Um, If I'm putting on my um, predictable Pam answer, I would have said Medicine. However, I think putting that aside, I think a song that is should not be as far down on the track listing as it is. I think Don't You Pretend could have been a a really good first single. Mm -hmm. Um, What about you? And you probably chose Heat
1: No No actually I didn't Um, I think that Love So Soft Is the Mr. Know-It-All Of this album Uh, Not in that it's The first single But the fact that It sounds so different yeah. From everything else on this album, if, you know, if you get this album, you're like, oh yeah, oh Kelly's kind of funky on this album, yeah, a little R and B going, and then you get the album, and it's like, oh, she's got soul, like right. the rest of the album does not sound like Love So Soft. So Love So Soft was a little bit of like a bait and switch for what you were actually going to hear on the record. Um, I went really predictable. I went a whole lot of woman. Sorry, okay. yeah, I know, right. I know, I know. People grouse whenever I bring that song up, and they're just like, oh, why does he like it? I'm sorry, but. Again, it is another anthemic song and really should have gotten a little more attention. I don't know what happened there. Um, I will say that till the day I die. But I, I think that that would have been a really fun song to uh, to come out first.
0: Yeah, it's a great song. Love it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, all right. I think that about wraps it up for mailbag number four.
1: I think so. Um,
0: thank you to those who submitted questions. We do have a couple more that we will hold on to for whenever we do mailbag number five in a couple months, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ever have any um, questions that you want us to answer specifically for a mailbag or just answer whenever, um, you can reach us um, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram at Miss Into Podcast. You can email us MissIntoPodcast at gmail.com. And um, I know we say this pretty much every week, but please, if you are listening on Apple, please Give us a little five-star rating. You can also write something if you like. I don't think you have to, but it would be awesome if you did. But uh, you mm-hmm. can also give us a little five stars. Or you can give us less, but I really don't want you giving us less. <laughs> you
1: don't. give us what you think we deserve. What do we
0: deserve, guys? <laughs> um, and, yeah, that's really about it. Thanks, guys, for listening. And uh, see you next week. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Miss Indie Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. Miss Indie Podcast was written and produced by Jeremy and Pam. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be the first to know when a new podcast is posted. Continue the conversation by following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Miss Indie Podcast. Send us your questions and comments to missindiepodcast at gmail.com.